I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open with me to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 8 this morning, Deuteronomy 16, verses 1 through 8. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can turn with me to 149 in the Pew Bible, page 149 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then please take that Pew Bible with you as our gift to you. We want everyone to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and be blessed by it. Today we come to a section in the Deuteronomic law that a lot of times people just skip over this, especially as New new Covenant Christians. Uh, A lot of people skip over this section and kind of just kind of breeze through it or whatever. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16, 1 through 17 here focuses on the three annual feasts that God required Israel to celebrate year after year. And you know, while we no longer, as Christians, we don't have to celebrate these feasts, uh, yet we shouldn't just skip over these feasts and, and just kind of think, well, that was then and we're in a new era. No, the principle behind these feasts still apply to us, and, and we still have reason to feast and celebrate God and what all he has done. That's what these feasts are about, right? They're about celebrating God, who he is. What he has done, is doing, and will do. And so we want to pause here and think about these feasts. Now we we deal with these, the the three feasts are these. The first is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we'll look at today. And then the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Booths. We'll look at the first feast this week and we'll look at the other two feasts next week. But today we we focus in on the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and this feast actually begins with the Feast of the Passover, so we'll we'll see that today, and we'll take time to to think through what this means for us. Just to kind of remind you where we are here in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, uh, of course, in Deuteronomy 14.22, this section, Deuteronomy 14.22, all the way through chapter 16, verse 17. This is the section of the Deuteronomic law that Moses focuses in on the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And uh, if you were here for that sermon way back when, as we covered that commandment, you might remember that this has to do with rights and the rights and privileges of God. Right? God, as God, has certain rights and privileges. Uh, One of those is that he has the right to demand the tithe of his people. As he gives us all all that we have, as God, he has a right to require his people to return 10% back to him. We covered that a few weeks ago. Uh, He also has a right to require his people to be generous givers, gracious givers. As we are the recipients of his grace over and over and over again, and God expects his people to return that grace and be images of his grace in the world. So we're to be gracious givers. And of course, God has the right to be worshipped and praised 
for who he is, what he has done, is doing, and will do. And that's really the focus as we get into these feasts, as, as Moses focuses in on the feast. It's all about praising God. It's all about worshiping God. And so today, as we come to this first feast, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which begins with the Passover feast, that's what kicks the Feast of Unleavened Bread off, we see here that Israel is called to, not only Israel, but also the church is called to remember and worship God because of His saving grace. Remember and worship God because of His saving grace. This is a call to worship God because of His salvation, because God is a saving God. And so we're going to see that today from our text. And so I want to start by first looking at our text here in Deuteronomy and focusing in on some characteristics of the Passover. And then I want to carry it over to the New Testament and show you how this, this feast in particular actually does carry over to the New Testament. There's a, some correspondence there, and you probably can guess what the correspondence is, right? Uh, there's a reason we're going to observe the Lord's Supper today. But there's this correspondence, so uh, I want to turn to the New Testament a little bit later and see the correspondence in the New Testament. So if you found your place, I do want to read this this morning, so if you found your place there in Deuteronomy chapter 16, please stand with me and reverence to the reading of God's holy word. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. Observe, observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock of your herd, from the flock or the herd, at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life may be, excuse me, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain all night until morning. You may not eat, you may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it there you shall offer the passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of egypt and you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the lord your god will choose and in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents for six days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the lord your god you shall do no work on it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And we thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. Lord, as we read about your saving grace uh, with Israel, 
bringing them out of Egypt. And we're reminded of your saving grace uh, for us in sending your son Jesus Christ to die for us. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that you give us. Lord, today, uh, let us be even more clear on how you have saved us and the sacrifice that you have made to redeem us from our sins, Lord. So, Lord, let us see you. Let us see the, the praiseworthy of your gift of salvation. And, Lord, may it draw our hearts to thank you and give thanks and praise to your holy name. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So the first yearly feast that we see here in Deuteronomy is this feast of unleavened bread. Uh, it was kicked off by the Passover. It was kicked off by the Passover. This was the feast that began this whole week-long feast, the feast of unleavened bread. And so today I want to focus in on the Passover. And, and first of all, I want to show you the purpose of the Passover the purpose of the Passover. The purpose of the Passover was to remember God's saving grace. It's to remember God's saving grace, remembering how God saved Israel and brought them out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt. There in that first verse, he says there, observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God, for in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. And of course, we're, we're reminded of Exodus. This is where all of this took place, right? Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 12 gives us a rundown and a kind of an explanation of what took place in the Exodus, God saving Israel from Egypt. And so I want to take a time to, to just read that. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this section here. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 20, because we really get a, a, a better idea of, of God's saving grace, how he saved Israel from Egypt. Hear, hear what the Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 12 says. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, In the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. Right? This begins their new year for them. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Notice that. Without blemish. A male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lamb at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. 
and you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through or pass over the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. This is about judgment. God is sending his judgment on Egypt. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast seven days. You shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but whatever needs to, whatever, what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of, that, of the month, at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner, or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened, and all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. This is all, all of this, is to remember God's saving grace. Right? We remember the story of the Exodus. God brought, took Moses, and he said, Moses, go get my people, and bring them out of the land of bondage. And so Moses went to Pharaoh, and of course we, we know the story. Moses went to Pharaoh ten times over. He went to Pharaoh over and over and over again. Let my people go. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh turned a blind ear, a blind eye to Moses, a deaf ear to Moses, and said, who is this Lord? Who is Yahweh that I should obey him? And all the people of Egypt laughed and scoffed at Moses because of his demand. And so God sent plague after plague after plague as judgment on the people of Egypt for this, their disobedience to the Lord's command. And then on the 10th plague, God sent the final plague, death to all the firstborn, all the firstborn of the cattle, of the herds, of every, of every beast, and of every household. And so God sent a death plague on the nation of Egypt. 
And he could have sent it on Israel, couldn't he? Because they weren't so pure in all of this. They had their doubts. They had their wonders. When, when Moses first came in and, and, and Pharaoh said, well, the people are just idle, right? They're just idle. We, we need to give them more work to do. And so he made their burden harder. The people of Israel scoffed at God. The people of Israel began to question God and be angry at Moses for bringing all of this about. They had their doubts. They were worthy of judgment too. But God saved them he saved them he provided a way of salvation even in the midst of his judgment and so israel is called to remember god's saving grace how he brought them out of the land of slavery brought them out of bondage through judgment judgment on the land of israel but this salvation it had a price it had a great and wonderful price, didn't it? The price of the Passover is a spotless lamb. It is a spotless lamb, just as we read there. It had to be a, a lamb without spot or blemish. A young lamb. You think about a young lamb, pure white. This is the very image of perfect innocence. Spotless, perfect innocence oh the little bitty baby lamb i mean you see those we used to live up in perryville and and uh perryville they had heifer ranch and at heifer ranch they always had this this time of year this special time they they bred their their lambs just right so that they had the birthing of the lambs every spring and it was such a big event and a lot of people paid a lot of big money to come watch the birthing of the lambs that was a big fundraiser for them but you, you go out there and you see these little baby lambs. Oh, they're so precious and cute and all cuddly. And that's the image of perfect innocence, isn't it? Right? This is a young baby lamb without spot or blemish. And is the image of perfect innocence. And here's rotten Israel who doubted God. Who... who Cursed God, why did you bring this hardship on us, Lord? They weren't innocent. But God needed an innocent sacrifice to pass over them. There was a price for God's salvation, and it was the spotless, innocent lamb, that lamb had to shed his blood. The lamb had to pay the penalty for their sin in their place so that God, as he passed over the land in judgment, could pass over the sin of Israel. So we have the purpose of the Passover, remembering God's saving grace. We have the price of the Passover, a spotless lamb but notice also the people of the Passover. The people of the Passover. Of course, this is, uh, first and foremost, it was the Israelites, wasn't it? Look there in verses 5 and 7 of our text here to bring us back to our text here. Notice in verse 5, you may not offer the Passover sacrifice with any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but in the place that the Lord 
your God will choose to make his name dwell in it. You shall offer, shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Notice also in verse 16, we'll get there eventually, but uh, 16 is kind of a summary of all of these feasts and festivals but 16 says three times a year all your male shall appear before the lord your god at the place that the that he will choose at the feast of the unleavened bread at the feast of weeks and at the feast of booths and so god required his people now and there he required all the males right the heads of the households the representatives of each house to assemble every year this is the people of god this is the covenant community of god now understand it wasn't just because it wasn't that the women were excluded from coming to the feast the three annual feast but as they spread out over the land it became came kind of difficult for a lot of women who were pregnant had young children at home to travel all the way to Israel through the hardships that it would take to get there to down to Jerusalem to make these annual feasts we do know and we read this this week I read this this week in my Bible reading in Luke that uh, both Mary and Joseph went yearly to celebrate the Passover so women weren't excluded but there was kind of this allowance right they didn't have to come but the head of the household was required to come every year. And they represent the covenant community of God. The covenant community of God. The people of the Passover are the covenant community of God. The people of God. And it wasn't just Israel. Here's something we might miss if we kind of braze over this. It wasn't just the people of Israel, but we also see that there were sojourners included in this as well. I want you to show I want to show you this in Exodus chapter 12 again. Exodus chapter 12 verses 43 through 49 kind of gives us some more insight into this. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall, shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So the Old Testament makes this distinction between sojourners and foreigners. Sojourners were those who assimilated into the culture. These are people, foreigners, right? They're, they come in, they're Gentiles. They come into the nation of Israel and they believe in Yahweh. They trust in Yahweh. They, they begin to be followers of Yahweh. And, and so they become part of the covenant community, even though they're Gentiles, they become part of the covenant community because they 
trust in Yahweh. And so they do all of the things. They become part of the covenant community and they're able to worship and they're able to enjoy these feasts and festivals that worship God because they trust in Yahweh. Now, foreigners, on the other hand, these are outsiders. These are Gentiles who haven't assimilated into uh, their religion, haven't assimilated in. They don't believe in Yahweh. They're idolaters they they trust in other gods they might be they might want to join into the feast because hey who doesn't want to join a feast right that's a party time Uh, that's a a lot of good times there's excitement there's joy there's celebration and why wouldn't they want to join in but it wasn't for them it was only for the covenant community those who had experienced God's saving grace, whether Jew or Gentile, those who have experienced God's saving grace have been invited in to celebrate the Passover. So the people of the Passover are the covenant community, those who have surrendered their life to Yahweh and began to worship Him and trust in Him. So we have the purpose, the price, the people, and now we see the praise of the Passover the praise of the Passover notice there and we we read it a couple of times but just notice here in verse 8 of our verse of our of our section here for six days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God you shall do no work on it now if you remember back there in Exodus it said on the first day And the seventh day, there's a solemn assembly. There's a day of holy assembly. Now, we hear that word solemn in the English, and we think, oh, solemn, right? That sounds kind of boring, doesn't it? It's a solemn assembly. Uh, Actually, the Hebrew word has more this sense of a festive assembly. This is a festive assembly. Uh, This isn't just a boring kind of, well, uh, it's just, we're here to worship. Amen. Praise God. No, this is a festive assembly. Right? There's no work done on it. This is a day off. We're coming together to worship God. Thank you, God, for your saving grace. Praise Him, praise Him, praising. There was singing, there was dancing, there was rejoicing in the Lord. Yes, there's a sense of reverence to it because God deserves our reverence. It's not just whatever you feel like doing, go do it. No, there's reverence. There's some restraint here. But it is a time of celebration. It is a time of praise. You don't come to God, well, thank you, God. For your saving grace. No, thank you, God, that you saved me. I was a slave in Egypt. And you brought me out and gave me a life, a purpose, a reason for being. It is a time of festive assembly, a time of celebration. A time of praise, a time of thanksgiving. So when the Israelites came to observe the Passover and the feast of, of the feast of unleavened bread, this was a time of worship. 
a time of praise, a time of giving thanks to God. So we remember and worship God because of his saving grace. That's the purpose in the Passover. Now, as we move to the New Testament, right? When it comes to the New Testament, we see that the feasts are, are, no long, are, are really not all that foreign after all. This feast especially is not all that foreign. There's some direct correspondence to the Passover in the New Testament. In fact, we, we learn, what we learn uh, in the New Testament is that the Old Testament Passover is not, not only remembered uh, in re- remembrance of God's salvation back in Egypt, right? It's not only remembering God's salvation of the people of Israel from Egypt, but it was also looking forward in anticipation to God's greater Passover to come. And so when we come to the New Testament, particularly Luke chapter 22, I'm going to ask you to turn there now. As we leave the Old Testament Passover behind, I want to bring us to the New Testament Passover. Luke chapter 22. I could go to several texts, but this one has some key words in it. So Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, we see here that Jesus, as he observes the Passover with his disciples, he takes the Passover and he transforms it into, guess what? The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. So for we as Christians, New Testament Christians, New Covenant believers, the Passover has been transformed into the Lord's Supper. That's why we are observing the Lord's Supper today. Some of you thought when you walked in here today, well, it's not time for the Lord's Supper. We do that, you know, four times a year. Uh, but there's purpose for this. As we study the, the Lord's Supper, I want us to celebrate God's saving grace this morning. So the Lord's Supper, if you found your place there, let me read it for us. Uh, because this is the institution of the Lord's Supper, Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that I will not, that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He transformed the Passover meal into the Lord's Supper. Now notice the purpose of the Lord's Supper. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is to remember God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. It is to remember God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. He says, Do this in remembrance of me. He calls the church 
to not only do this at this one, one time with his disciples, but he institutes it as a, a, an ordinance of the church. As the church gathers together, do this in remembrance of me. Do this to remember what I'm about to do for you, for them, and for us, what I have done for you on Calvary's cross. His disciples aren't getting this just quite yet. They're going to get it here a few hours after this. His disciples are still wondering, what do you mean your body? What do you mean your blood? What do you mean? I know you've told us that you're going to suffer, but what do you mean? We don't get it. But we get it, don't we? Jesus, he allowed his body to be broken. He allowed his blood to be poured out. So that he might save us from slavery to sin and death. We remember God's saving grace through Jesus Christ in the Lord's Passover. That's the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Notice also the price. The price of the Passover is the spotless Lamb of God. Jesus says, this is my body which is given for you. Jesus gave his body for you. This is the cup, this cup that is poured out for you. It's the new covenant in my blood. Jesus allowed his body to be broken. He allowed his blood to be poured out for you. The innocent lamb of God. Jesus was the only one. Whoever walked this earth, the very Son of God who came to this earth and he lived a life in complete obedience to the Father's will, he was innocent. He was perfect and innocent. He didn't deserve death. He certainly didn't deserve a death of a cursed man hanging on a tree. But he willingly went to Calvary's cross and he willingly allowed his body to be broken he willingly allowed his blood to be poured out for us oh the price of your salvation dear friend was precious it was precious the price of your salvation was the precious blood of our lord and savior jesus christ first corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 through 8 paul says Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We celebrate the Passover, our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. So there's the purpose, there's the price. Third, there's the people. And here again, the people of the Lord's Supper is the covenant community. It's the covenant community, right? You know, every time that we do this, I go through the same spiel, right? I say the same thing. I, if anyone here, right, 
It's for all the covenant community. So, so it's not just for this local church. We celebrate more of an open kind of communion. And we invite all believers. I, I will say, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you're covered by the blood of the Lamb, we invite you to join with us today in a minute when we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper because it is a thing for the covenant community. And so we invite all the covenant community to come in and celebrate the Lord's Supper. But it's not for unbelievers. And so I always say, and I'll say it today, if, if you're an unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever, this is nothing against you, right? We love you and we want you to be here. Uh, but if you're an unbeliever, just allow the plates to pass on by because it's not for you. It's not for you. This is a feast celebrating what Christ has done for us. Now, you, we want you to become a part of the covenant community. And I'm going to invite you to do that. Trust in Jesus and become a part of the covenant community and join in the feast. But the Lord's Supper is for those who have trusted in Jesus. It is for the covenant community who have experienced God's saving grace in Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul warns us to search our own hearts to make sure that we're worthy to take it. And we're only worthy and we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the purpose of the Passover is to remember God's saving grace in Jesus. The people, the, the price is the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself. The people of the, of the Lord's Supper is the covenant community, the church of Christ. And finally, the praise. The, it is a festive assembly. It is a festive assembly. It's not a time to hang our heads low. It's a time to, to look up high and even lift our hands to heaven and say, praise you, God, for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that song that we sang earlier. See, Larry, when he planned this, he didn't even know we were observing Lord's Supper today. I just decided that as we, I started preparing this message this week i said hey we need to do the lord's supper and so he had already turned in his music this is what we but thank you jesus for the blood applied thank you jesus for the blood applied oh man this is a time to celebrate jesus for what he has done for us this is a festive a festive assembly yes it is a time of reverence but it's also a time of praise we come together to praise God for his salvation in Jesus Christ. So today, as we now understand the purpose, the price, the people, and the praise of the Lord's Supper, I want us to celebrate the Lord's Supper as the people of the Lord's Supper in a festive assembly, remembering and worshiping God because of his saving grace that we have realized in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ remember and worship god because of his saving grace in a minute when we take the lord's supper together remember and worship god don't let it just be something that we do once a quarter don't let it be something that we do now and again and ah, oh, it's just something it's just another little part of the service 
No, this is a time to worship. As you receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, thank you, Jesus, for your body that you offered up for my sins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you spilt to cover my sins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let this be a time of worship and praise. Now, if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, you don't know the joy of his salvation. And I want to take a minute, before we observe the Lord's Supper, I want to take a minute to invite you to trust in Jesus. I want to invite you to put your faith in Him, receive Him today. He died on Calvary's cross for you to cover your sins. And He was resurrected to show that, he, uh, that all your sin has been paid for. And if you trust in him and surrender your life to him today, then join in the feast. Join in the celebration as the blood of Jesus is applied to you. Maybe you have questions about that. Maybe you need, a, maybe you need me to help you pray or whatever. I invite you to come do that even now in a minute as we sing. Let today be the day of salvation. Trust in Jesus. Let his blood cover you and celebrate his salvation. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, what you did in the Passover, all of that was to turn our eyes to the greater Passover lamb that was to come, Jesus Christ. In Jesus, you saved us not from slavery in a, a country, but slavery from sin, slavery to death, slavery to eternal judgment and damnation because of our rebellion against you. You saved us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for the blood that has been applied. In Jesus. And Lord, if there's any today who've never trusted in Jesus, they don't know the joy of your salvation, Lord, I pray today, today would be a feast day for them as they turn and realize the salvation you offer them in Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, let them receive Jesus and let them celebrate in your saving grace. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.